0: Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. Oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. 10 volumes available in paperback, ebook, Kindle, and audiobook at Amazon and Audible. So, folks, Christmas is coming. I'd like to see some sales of these books. Show a little support for what it is I'm doing. A lot of time and effort goes into the construct of these items and I'd like to see you gobble some of them up in a show of support, all right? I'm only going to ask once and I just asked, so ah, do it. And tonight's a little weird. I'm solo. I wasn't going to do anything and I was going to tell Kev to launch one of our older podcasts, but I said, you know what? Why not get on, like I do so frequently on the telephone, and talk to you, my listeners, and kick a few things around, including a couple of Bigfoot encounters? You know, uh, first of all, a shout out to my good friend Jane in New Hampshire. Very good to talk to you again, Jane, the other day. And to Neil, Calhoun County, Georgia, who shared with me a threefold account uh down from his neck of the woods that was fantastic and it proved out once again to me that the reason it's a threefold account is because neil had opened his mouth on several occasions without starting the conversation there's no conversation to continue hello somebody so if you've seen something say something you can contact us at bigfootterrorinthewoods.com just like Neil did, just like Jane did. Tell me what you've seen, what you've heard about. And then in your daily lives, go out there. Stick your neck out a little bit. Begin the conversation with some people. Ask them if they've seen anything. So what if they laugh at you? Who cares? They're probably laughing at you anyway. <laughs> and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Yes. There's a lot of pictures out there. We posted one that I believe is legit a few episodes ago on the website of Bigfoot. And some of these people are getting very talented with their hoaxes. Now, the reason I say that is one of the pictures that was just sent to me a couple of days ago by Jerry. And Jerry, I do think that photograph was a hoax. Uh, Very good job, though. They're getting really good at tweaking in what a Bigfoot looks like on computer. Uh, don't ask me how they do it. I can only judge what I see. Now, this picture came from Facebook. And one of the things that struck me as being odd right off the bat was the comment was uh, Bigfoot w- going to take a dump and uh, in the forest at Yakima, Washington or something like that. And nobody would label... Uh, A quality Bigfoot picture with, with such a headline, but even if they did, it shows a Bigfoot walking out of the dense forest that's hard up against some railroad tracks going through the woods in reportedly Yakima, Washington. There seems to be a thin layer of snow on the ground. The Bigfoot looks legitimate to me. And this is why I say this people out there doing a gangbuster job at recreating what a real Bigfoot would look like. The problem is this. It says it's coming from a train camera. And I got to thinking, in the darkness, darkest of night, in the middle of this thick forest, with a light on the front of a train, how could a Bigfoot be foolish enough or stupid enough to just step in front of a train. It looks like the train couldn't be 50 feet, if that, away from it. And it's walking with its back to it, evidently about to get mowed down by the train. So forget about the photograph. You could have shoveled them up off the tracks after you hit them and put them in a boxcar and brought them back to society. But the other thing was this there's snow underground. And in the picture, the right foot is being lifted uh, or to make a step. And there's no evidence of it having been in the snow as it's stepping forward. In other words, there's no footprint as the foot is arching forward uh, in the snow. So these things, to me, just reek of it being a hoax. And uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, I don't have the link. I mean, I have it on my phone. Somebody sent it to me, but... It came off of Facebook, and it's uh, Bigfoot Crossing the Railroad Tracks in Yakima, Washington. So if you get a chance to look that up, take a look at it for yourself. Now, I have a couple of accounts here tonight. I wanted to do a short one with you, which I I usually avoid these when I'm with KJ because I don't know why. I usually take things that take a little more time to get through, but I have a lot of interesting short accounts. And I guess in the future, I'll probably try to tie uh, a couple of them together instead of always trying to dig uh, dig one up that's uh, a little more lengthy. But this one is quite interesting. And uh, it was reported to me by a guy named Teddy Thornhill, a resident of Washington State. And this is what Teddy had to say. As you frequently say, Bill, When something happens to you personally, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. You know it's true. Such is the case with what I'm about to share with you and your readers and or listeners. In 2016, I was hunting just a few miles from Mount St. Helens. Hello, Jerry. The epicenter of mass destruction many years ago. Believe it or not, the wildlife has mostly returned to the state in which it had been before the volcanic blast, as well as a great deal of the forest having recovered. I was hiking over an open area with a small lake coming into view ahead of me, beyond which were sparsely growing pines and other bushes. There was a lot of space in the area to see anything moving about in the form of animals. Ahead of me, just beyond the lake, I saw what I knew immediately was a Bigfoot moving through the trees. It was unmistakable. To my eyes as a hunter, I was then, and for obvious reasons, still am a believer. But this was a first as far as living proof was concerned for me. It took me, oh, excuse me. I will be painfully honest, my first thought was that if I killed it, I would be a rich man, and I gave into my the idea as I began my stalk. There was no way this thing could disappear in this landscape unless it simply outpaced me, which I hope would not happen. It appeared to be heading behind a large mound of earth when I saw it, so I stepped up the pace, hoping to catch it when it came around the back side." In my mind, I was already planning to take the head and some body parts, coming back for the body later with some trusted friends to secure the whole deal while bringing to an end the Bigfoot is a fake scenario once and for all. It took me a good ten minutes moving quickly while using whatever cover was available until finally I could see the beast if it came out where I projected it would on the backside of this mound. My positioning was all based on a calculated guess at the time. For all I knew, it was already heading in another direction. But I had all my chips placed on this bet, and I readied myself for the inevitable. Unfortunately, there was no cover whatsoever available where I was. Not a single bush or a tree was in my sight line, lying in wait, prone on the ground in a sniper position. I had just got in place where I was now looking through the scope and there it was, walking into the view and moving quickly. I know what I'm about to say is entirely foolhardy and irresponsible, but the thought came into my mind, what if it's a man? Because it looked like a man, a massive man with long legs and arms, undressed and carrying no gear, and I pulled the trigger anyway. The sight of my rifle had been true, and there wasn't a hint of wind as the animal flinched. Had I missed it? The grade of the land behind it was uphill, comprised of dirt and some patches of grass. I would have seen the round hit the ground, which it didn't. At 200 yards, with it flinching, I knew I had hit pay dirt, and quickly having chambered number two, I squeezed it off and it lurched again. It had already turned towards me with the first salvo, but didn't drop or stagger as the second hit it, and it began to run into the open landscape. I was trembling as I got to my feet and began to pursue it. The Bigfoot was moving so fast that my only hope would be to follow it until it dropped, which I did for three hours, ending up empty. I was disgusted like having my winning lottery ticket blow away into oblivion. I stayed out that entire night, hoping to find it in the morning, and I never did. In hindsight, my motivation and everything about what I did was wrong, and I knew that. Still, I don't understand how two high-powered rifle shots at 200 yards did not do the trick. I'm confident that the shots were on the mark and there being no wind and under perfect conditions with me laying down in a locked and secure stance for firing. At 49 years of age, I have done a fair amount of hunting, always taking care of my gun and sight. It was rock solid at the time on the mark as far as my scope was concerned. Of that, there was no doubt. I hit it squarely with two rounds, and it didn't go down. What the heck are these things made out of that such a thing could happen? If I hit you with one of them, it would knock you back six feet and drop you then and there, and this thing ran away. My only thought after the fact, beside other disappointment, was that some cosmic force had veered the bullets off course causing it to just be grazed, thwarting my gross motivation for wanting to shoot it in the first place. Well, all I can say about that is there may be some karma in play with such an event after hearing him repeat his own regrets having fired two rounds at this thing based on his uh, feelings that if he got a couple of pieces of it, a head or a hand or a foot, he could finally prove it. But I kind of think there was a golden carrot at the end of that too. Maybe a little money, perhaps. He's thinking he could cash in with a big payday. But it also reminds me of the story I had, The Fifth Bullet, which some of you may have read or listened to in the audio book where that fella saw the Bigfoot coming down the ridge line. And uh, he was using that uh, M1 Garand. I guess it's a Garand. Somebody told me it had to be a Garand. Uh, and he fired five shots at this thing, swearing that he was hitting it. Well, the first one he said he shot over the head is like a warning salvo. The others he said he was on it and it kept coming until finally it dropped with the fifth bullet. I don't understand these things, folks, and neither do you, how something can have a high-powered round, hit it, and keep moving. But we do know that hunters, unless they get a clear shot at the heart or a, a, a lung shot in and out of the body, A lot of these animals can and do run for hundreds of miles, Uh, not miles, hundreds and hundreds of yards. And in some cases, even miles. People have told me they've tracked bear and elk before they found the animal. And uh, so why not a Bigfoot? What makes us think that the Bigfoot has to just drop down when a bullet hits it or a shotgun blast? So uh, those are my thoughts. Now, this second account is, I guess you would consider it one of my favorites. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this, I'm pulling this out this evening because of the amount of hog-related Bigfoot uh, incidences that are coming in. There is no doubt in my mind that the influx of hogs in the United States, and in fact, in Australia, I just penned an account including a hog in uh, Queensland, Australia, for volume 12 that I'm working on, that Bigfoot would be taking advantage of these things. Think about it. Large hog or small, if you out a piglet for a monster of that magnitude should be very easy to catch. I would think you could run down a piglet as easy as you could run down a raccoon or anything else in the woods. And the abundance of these creatures, according to people including Neil in Georgia, who I just mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, Neil told me uh, he's a cotton farmer, there are peanut farms around him. He said that the damage that these creatures are doing in the Southland is incredible. And on his properties, I don't know if it's statewide or many states, uh, they're allowed to shoot these things at will without uh, any restraints for fun, whatever else you want to call it, target practice. Uh, uh, with no penalty, and nobody's going to stop them, they're glad to have you shoot them. So I wanted to break this one out. This was actually, I believe, the first hog-related account uh, that I had come into, and this is going back probably four or five years now. Now, since then, there are many more that are coming in. When I say many, I'm talking a 100. But let's just say a handful, five or six, have come in related to hogs. And so, is it a coincidence? I don't think so. I think that the creatures, as I have always said, uh, will take advantage of whatever is in their surroundings, just like you or I would if we were really hungry. So, let me get into this. I named this account back in the day, Along Came a Spider. And you're going to understand, if you've never heard it before, why. By the way, Phil, I know you're listening. And uh, this bears credence with your own sighting at the mine in West Virginia. Uh, Philip had said when he first saw this thing as a security guard at a mine... He couldn't quite figure out what he was looking at. The only thing he knew to be up there was a black bear. But even though his instincts kind of told him initially, yeah, it's a black bear, it looked weird. It was behaving weird. It didn't seem to move quite right. And then, surprise, surprise, Philip had an encounter with the hairy man of the woods. Now, let's get into this. If I could find the first page. I don't know what I did here. Okay, here we go. Now, listen to me. The more testimonials that I hear, the more I say to myself, can things possibly getting any more bizarre? And having said that, what you're about to hear uh Is it any more bizarre than seeing a 10-foot-tall creature crossing the street, which I've said repeatedly? And this account was told to me by a fellow named Clifford Snedekor, a resident of the state of Arkansas. This is what Clifford had to say. In the early summer 2013, My good friend John and I were heading out for the evening to bang out a couple of feral hogs. So back in 2013, they were already trying to dispatch feral hogs in Arkansas. He says these bastards are taking over the planet. And there are more than a few good old boys who are doing our best to dispose of them. They are good eating sometimes. And he, oh, he says they are good eating little bastards, too, sometimes. So I've heard otherwise, but I guess to each his own. We had access and permission to go into a certain large wooded area. We drove in with the truck and were setting up to hunt the last two hours of daylight into the night. These hogs begin to come out of the woods at this time of day, and if you were to come in here under cover of darkness... The field would be covered with dozens of these buggers. We were already seeing six hogs, which were foraging around some two hundred yards away, but we were waiting for more to arrive, especially the ones we called the big daddies. Our saying is this: "Don't waste your lead on Junior when you can pop Big Daddy." <laughs> Oh, my God, I love this stuff. So, uh, the field here is comprised of about 50% flat grass and dirt and 50% tall grass, with the tall grass patches being between three and four feet in height. We had been moving around slowly for about an hour, only 45 minutes away from sunset when we started to observe two big boars coming into view in the outskirts of the field. It was now about 15 minutes before darkness would be upon us, being the time of twilight, and we hadn't yet had the opportunity to pull a trigger. It was then that out of the corner of my eye, I start to see something moving in the grass, part of which was just above the top of the tall grass, so he's talking four feet. I will describe to you what I was seeing in this fashion. From my perspective, it looked like the profile of a World War II army helmet, just at the height of the tallest grass, moving along sporadically and heading in the direction of the main body of hogs. So these guys seem to be waiting around for the big daddy. It would move, then pause, move, and then pause again. It kept doing this as it was covering perhaps a 75-yard patch of tall grass. As we were both watching whatever this was approaching the spot, it would either have to stay in the tall grass or cross through an open area in order to proceed in the direction of the hogs. It was the latter that had occurred. We observed what appeared to be a ten-foot-long black creature of some sort come crawling out of the grass on four monstrous legs, and it was doing so just like a spider across the clearing. It was at least three times the size of the biggest hog that was visible, which may in and of itself have weighed 600 pounds. The helmet shape that we had been looking at seemed to be its head, which was massive. The two of us exchanged glances as if to say, what the heck is that? I had never seen anything like it in all my life. Sitting in the open as darkness was now falling, it appeared to be an enormous fur-covered spider from hell which had four legs and must have weighed well over a thousand pounds. I can tell you from experience that when something like this occurs, you momentarily feel as though you've entered the twilight zone. In other words, it doesn't quite register with the natural man at the time. I felt that I was caught somewhere in space and time that I didn't want to be, and I was very uncomfortable and on edge. This giant spider now entered the grass on the other side of the opening, where we could once again follow its progress by watching the head protruding from over the height of the grass. It was moving in fast spurts, gradually closing the gap between itself and the herd of hogs. It was almost totally dark now, and the spider creature was within perhaps 30 yards of the hogs. Suddenly, this creature which up until that point in time had been moving with its body horizontal to the ground, stood upright on two legs, and with a sudden burst of incredible speed ran at the hogs. We could now see that it was unmistakably a Bigfoot, an enormous 10-foot-tall Bigfoot. It took about 10 leaps at a rate that I cannot begin to describe, and then jumping headlong, It landed on a hog, momentarily disappearing within the grass. We heard a loud squeal from the hog, and then all went silent. Seconds later, this Bigfoot stood to its feet with the hog in its hand. Folks, 600-pound hog in its hands, clutching it like a woman holds her handbag. The hog, relatively speaking... Oh, excuse me, this hog was not 600, it's only 200. The hog, relatively speaking, was rather small, but still had to have weighed in at 200 pounds, and this monster was holding it in its right hand. It walked away into the darkness, clutching the hog in its hand and disappearing from sight. I remember letting out a deep sigh of relief as though I had been holding my breath the entire time, which we were, when we were watching this unfold. The two of us stood to our feet, put our guns on safety, and walked back to the truck, with neither of us being able to believe or comprehend what it was we had seen. This Bigfoot was somehow able, as huge as it was, to contort its body, and its legs in a way that it was horizontal to the ground and moving like a spider. Now, the next time that you are around a horse, watch the way the horse's legs move as it walks. This Bigfoot's legs were moving in the same fashion, the only difference being the rapidity with which it was able to do so. It moved with such speed that to the naked eye, it was hard to follow its movements. I'm not quite catching that, looking at a horse and seeing how they move. I'll have to give that a closer look. However, neither of us had ever seen a Bigfoot before this day. We had heard about others seeing them, people who were quite sincere when giving their testimonials about what they had seen. But this day was a game-changer for the two of us. It also had shed some light on our finding hogs torn apart and eaten when we were hunting. This is something that is becoming commonplace, my friends. Torn-up hogs. We had always wondered what exactly had killed them, but now we both knew. This creature must have committed itself to this spider-like crawl as it left the cover of the trees. And it stayed in this posture to stalk the hogs until it was close enough to leap and to run in for the kill. It was beyond belief. Now, folks, I've been giving this some thought about these hogs. And I have a number of accounts now where hogs are being found torn up and not eaten. And my thoughts relative this to this are these. I have a feeling that, yes, some hogs may be being eaten uh, in a pinch. I kind of have a feeling that they prefer other things, if it's a Bigfoot, other than a hog. Excuse me. Hit the mute button for a little cough. And... My other thought is this, and it was brought to mind by the fellows in Australia. They have a theory that some of these hog killings are a vengeance kill. A vengeance kill. In other words, to the unlearned, hogs will kill other critters. I've learned from many of my listeners that they will attack other animals, particularly small animals like lambs and uh, I don't know. I don't know what other kind of creatures to mention at this point in time, but they will kill and eat other creatures. And I have a feeling that they may be onto something in that the Bigfoot may be getting a little ticked off at these hogs moving into their playground in numbers Kind of like a gang moving into a neighborhood where it doesn't belong, if you catch my drift. Anyways, that's it. It's a hog fest, and I'm sure there will be more coming down the road. Of that, I am certain. Now, let me move into this for a second. I'm just organizing my mess here, and it is a mess. <laughs> But this interesting email came in from a fellow named Bud. Hey there, Bud. <laughs> he says, Hello, W.J. and K.J. I really enjoy listening to you both, and you have become a wonderful distraction from the craziness of everyday life. W.J., I first heard you late one night while sitting out at the fire pit and listening to you on Wes's show, Sasquatch Chronicles. I love the way you shared other encounters. I love the way you brought the creep, and I love the way you shared your faith. Since then, I've been going through one episode after the other, and I've come to love KJ as well. I am also a healthcare professional. Uh, I don't know why he wrote this, but he says that I'm going to skip over a segment here. He says, I'm also a healthcare professional, and I travel between three hospitals in Northern Ohio. It allows me to listen to you both at least once a day, and I love it. I just finished listening to episode 144, and it caused me to recall a little Christian sci fi paperback I read in the early 90s called Dwellers by Roger Elwood. It's been a while, but this is a quick synopsis of the story. He goes to say, Satan wanted to be like God. That's no news. But since he could not create life, he decided to alter one of God's creations, and these altered creatures became what we call Bigfoot. Just like the creature described in episode 144. The creatures in this book were lost in despair and sorrow. I don't want to give away too much more, just in case you want to give it a read. However, I will say that just like humanity... Satan deceives these creatures as well. Oh, and as coincidence would have it, just like episode 144, this book also discusses Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, I presume. The book provides yet another possible explanation regarding the nature of these creatures and their elusiveness. Whatever the truth really is, it is compelling and fun to read. By the way, I prefer to listen to your books, W.J. It makes for a fun ride in the car. Anyway, just letting you know, you have another happy listener here in Ohio. And I pray for much continued success for both of you. Interesting. I love to hear from people. And I also love that the people like when I share about my faith. And it's part of who I am. You can't shake it. You either are or you are not. Make up your mind. It's part of the reason I come into so much material on Bigfoot. People are comfortable talking to me. And I'm willing to stick my neck out a little bit to gather information and see where these guys and gals are coming from. And I would recommend to you and to anybody who is listening That the way you get in the mix with Bigfoot is to ask questions, to tell people what you think, and thereby extract information and commentary from them. That's the way this works. That's the way it works for me, and that's the way it will work for you. So I hope you enjoyed this brief solo podcast. It's a little different for me, not having KJ along to kick him around a little bit and him to kick me around a little bit. But he's a busy man, and so am I. And by the way, we love doing what we're doing, and we're not charging anyone for it. And let me say this, folks. If you should be out in the woods by yourself in Arkansas, Southern Ohio, Washington State, Northern Ohio by Priest Lake. You best remember one thing, my friends. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight and happy Thanksgiving.